Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Scott Guasco. This is episode 184 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, we are breaking down the NFC side of free agency, and we are joined once again, as always, by Lucas Kayser. Lucas, how are you holding up in the madness, my man? I mean, I'm doing great. I don't want to hesitate anymore. Uh, let's just move right into the pick for the pick, the trade. I got Bill O'Brien with me in my trash can. I'm ready to bring him on to talk about the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Um, so let's, let's just move right into that. Let's, just, let's we'll keep going. Dive right in. We'll dive right in, folks. Only, only the finest intros here on the TCK pod. All right, man. Well, we'll jump right into it. And the NFC side, of course, we held this on the AFC side to talk about it this time around and kick off the episode with it. We'll jump right into it. The Cardinals trade for Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick. On the other side, the uh, Texans receive running back David Johnson, the artist formerly known as the number one running back in fantasy football, a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 fourth-round pick. So this is huge news, and obviously we're a week late as far as dropping this knowledge, so it's not like we're breaking news by any means, but this is the first time we're able to talk about it. Um, I'm going to let you dive into it first. Uh, of course, you have uh, head coach Bill O'Brien on the line there, so I'll let you uh, you talk with him. And for those of you not watching YouTube, you would be totally confused, and I'll let Lucas explain it in just a second. But once again, Cardinals trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and they trade away uh, David Johnson um, and a number of picks in the middle. I'll let you give your take, and I'll jump in as well. Well, let's start with before the Stephon Diggs trade happened, because obviously this is after, so we're looking at it this way. He did not want to be – DeAndre Hopkins has made it obvious he does not want to be there. Bill O'Brien has made it obvious that he does not like DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm a firm believer that if it's not going to work out, take what you can before they hold out or before something worse happens. Um, you see this, you've seen this many times with Antonio Brown with the Steelers. They just – or even the – I mean, like they just needed to trade him while they can and end up working out for him. They got a three third and fifth round pick for a player not even in the league anymore. So, yes, they just needed to get rid, rid of him. The trade was bad, but I wasn't going to sit here and, like, dwell on that just because it needed to happen. They got a worse day, uh, Duke Johnson in return for it, so that really didn't make any sense to me. Um, he could be a stopgap running back for the next two years with Duke Johnson, and they could focus building elsewhere. But then you look after it now when the Stephon Diggs trade happened and uh, the, the, the value that the Bills, or I guess the Vikings got for Stephon Diggs, a first-round pick, a couple later picks, Texans did not get that. So that is what makes Bill O'Brien – I mean, he looks bad anyways, but that's what really confuses – I don't – like stumps everyone. Like how, how do you not get a first-round pick, even if it's not even number eight? How do you not get a second-round, third-round, second next year? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. And you let the Cardinals get out of the David Johnson contract that they were stuck in limiting them to get Kenyon Drake. So now I, it's just – it is what it is now, so now we have to move forward and look at the value for every both sides. Obviously, Deshaun Watson drops down. We talked about that. Kyler Murray shoots up. He was my dynasty QB four coming into this year behind Deshaun Watson. He is now my three, and it's he honestly might be a two A with Lamar Jackson just because Lamar Jackson's uh, passing touchdown rate is going to go down to what Kyler's could go to. Now he's still going to be at my three redraft. He's going to be at my three because he was sitting around on my four and my five and redraft. Um, Kenyon Drake, like I said, now is the lone back. He has to be, I think, like RB 11, 12 range in redraft. Dynasty, he could easily be there in Dynasty too. He is 26 years old, going to be 27. Um, we saw what he could do last year when he finally got the role of a workhorse on a non-Adam Gase offense. Um, Christian Kirk, he goes down a little bit. I'm not very high on him anyways, just due to inconsistency. You got a couple other lower end receivers in Andy Isabella, Akeem Butler, that if they come back, that honestly would ultimately help um, DeAndre Hopkins come back healthy. That would help Hopkins draw some coverage off of him. And then you moved over to the Texans side with now you have a huge question mark at um, receiver. You don't know who's going to be the wide receiver one. They signed Randall Cobb, who if you listen to Tuesday, I was I think he's going to be a good redraft candidate for uh, uh, wide receiver three flex player. But is Will Fuller now going to be overdrafted just because of the vacated opportunities? Are they going to get Robbie Anderson? A.J. Green makes sense. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of opportunities that comes with this. 
but ultimately I think the one big thing you take away from this is Kyler Murray has to jump up. Deshaun Watson has to go down. And I don't want to say Hopkins is going to shoot up because I don't think he is. He's not going to see more opportunities than he saw with the Texans. Um, I, I mean, it's just he's competing with Larry Fitz, Christian Kirk, Isabella, Kenyon Drake, a team that, I mean, they're going to – they were very inefficient in the red zone, but now and it's not in, I guess what I'm trying to say is he's going to a better team, which is good, be more efficient um, looks, but he has more competition. So now I think you, he just has to be neutral in his stock, but I think Kyler Murray is what the real talk is with this uh, trade. I totally agree. <clears throat> I think this is a super win for the Cardinals, super loss for the Texans, um, we had been mentioning that we were bummed about uh, Deshaun Watson and his stock as well. I, I totally agree there. Um, I mean, you you handled the Bill O'Brien thing. I don't need to, to pile on there necessarily. Um, but it was interesting to see what happened with, with uh, Stephon Diggs after the fact uh, when the Bills um, – you know, we're able to to throw a lot at the Vikings, and the Vikings took it. And honestly, in that trade, both both teams won, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Diggs was disgruntled. Cousins had an issue with him. The coaching had an issue with him. It wasn't a good fit, and that needed to sever. No problem. You move the guy on, but you got back what you felt was worth it. Same shit's happening in Houston, but they didn't get back what DeAndre Hopkins is worth. And DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think there's anybody that would that would. Um, disagree that DeAndre Hopkins is worth more in fantasy for sure, but even in the NFL than Stephon Diggs and the Texans didn't get, you know, half of what, uh, of what the bills um, were able to send over to Minnesota. So interesting play there. Um, I really like this obviously for, uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. I think, again, I had mentioned in the last episode with the Diggs trade that I think it's going to be kind of a second half uh, resurgence with him because, and I don't need to uh, repeat myself too much, <clears throat> but in case you haven't listened to Tuesday yet, basically what I said was in the times we're living in with the coronavirus and everything else happening, delaying things at best. Now the NFL is start, is like getting away with this stuff kind of because we're in the part of the season of the NFL where everything's like remote and they can deal without being in person. Every other sport literally from, you know, peewee football uh, all the way up to the uh, professional realms and every other sport is basically canceled for the foreseeable future. So they're not having a lot of time to get with each other um, with the free agent moves, with the trades and all these things to immediately fly out and immediately start running routes, start watching tape together, have those conversations. They're probably doing it via, you know, via zoom and via phone calls, I'm sure, but they're not doing it in person. And I think not having those personal contacts early for wide receivers and coaches and scheme and quarterback is a big deal. So, just like Stephon Diggs in Buffalo, I think it's going to be a slow first half of the season, which happens for wide receivers anyway, but especially this year. And then moving forward in the second half, I think DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler are really going to pick up. And that's when Larry Fitzgerald usually slows down anyway. So I, I think what's going to happen is Larry Fitz will kind of be that guy-ish in the first half. He'll slow down like he always does. Nuke will pick up from there. And once Nuke and Kyler are on the same page, dude, I honestly think the Cardinals are going to fucking smash. And <clears throat> I think we're still a year away, uh, but I do think the Cardinals um, are going to be legit contenders in the NFC West. And I think, if not this year, next year they surpass the Rams for sure. Yeah, and I think another thing with that is I'm – I haven't dug like super in depth with it, but we saw last year with Hopkins that he went from that. Um, I don't even know what to compare it to. I guess last year he was used more in like the screen game and he was set up for a lot of targets where in the past we saw him run the full route tree. We saw Watson progress through his reads and I mean, Hopkins was still like his number one read, but we saw sort of like they were like force feeding him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. That's not how Kingsbury's offense is going to work. So I'm excited to see if they really let Hopkins go and just bully the cornerback once for the other teams. Um, he gets to go against Jalen Ramsey now two more times a year. So that matchup will still be there. So I'm excited to see how that's going to play out because there's no way teams can double cover him when you got Christian Kirk over the top. Akeem Butler from Iowa State guy is a beast. He just got hurt last year. Isabella is one of the fastest receivers in the league. And you still have Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray who can take off. So, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it's just tough for me because I'm not like – especially for fantasy value because I don't – nothing really jumps off except for Kyler Murray. 
So I think this is more of just a wait and see how much fun it is to go watch this team play. Um, they should add an offensive tackle, a pick eight. That's really the only need they have on offense. And then just continuing to build the defense, which just takes time. Uh, we all know that. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how this team progresses throughout the year. I totally agree. And a quick note on Kyler Murray. I mean, everyone's super bullish on him anyway after his um, – you know, rookie of the year uh, season, but um, just to throw out some numbers at you, um, 3,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, um, and five 300-yard games. I see that that touchdown number getting to 25 or 30 at least. Yeah. Um, I don't see him throwing more than 12 interceptions necessarily with the weapons and just the, the speed of the NFL slowing down a little bit. Also, he had 500 rushing yards last year which is quite impressive. I could see him getting closer to that six, seven fifty range. <clears throat> All of a sudden, man, that makes him a top five fantasy quarterback easy. Um, let alone a potential, you know, Mahomes esque or uh, Lamar Jackson esque second, third year spike in production. So mm -hmm. um, certainly on the table now with nuke there in uh, Arizona. And again, I'm, I'm super stoked on him. Uh, Kyler Murray was already kind of climbing into the top six quarterbacks for most people in all formats. I think this solidifies him as a top five, no matter how you slice it. Uh, of course, plus he's got that running ability there. So big move um, on that side. Uh, on the other side, let's just talk David Johnson for one second. He's obviously not David Johnson of old. We know that 2016 David Johnson was literally legendary, um, but uh, he just he got hurt in a couple of different things. Um, and he's just not himself. He got surpassed by Chase Edmonds and then Kenyon Drake in the trade from the Dolphins. The rest is history there. Kenyon Drake crushed the last half of the season. They boot uh, David Johnson, although they do save money for the Cardinals. That was a good move. But for the Texans, man, I don't really understand this one. Carlos Hyde's a free agent also. He hasn't been signed anywhere as of this podcast that I know of, so he might even be coming back. As you mentioned, Duke Johnson is just fine. He's never had the opportunity to be a three-down guy coming out of Miami when he was with uh, Cleveland. I think he's a great running back, though, in general. I just don't understand. I feel like David Johnson is the running back that Carlos Hyde is and the receiver that Duke Johnson is but they already have those two weapons and I don't think he's as good as either one of those guys at this point. So I'm not really sure he has any fantasy relevance unless one of those guys moves or get hurt. But David Johnson is a running back and I'll just make this clear with everybody kind of freaking out. He is a running back that I'd be more than happy to take as my running back four or five, if it's late in drafts or whatever, and just take a shot on him because if he is healthy and one of those guys does move on or get hurt, he could have the opportunity to be playing in what should still be somewhat of a high-powered offense with Deshaun Watson, and we saw uh, both Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde be successful last year in that offense. So while they're not going to be the Texans that we're used to um, without New Hopkins, I don't want to completely throw David Johnson in the trash right now because I do think he has late-round value. You're not going to be able to sell him in Dynasty, but you might be able to get him for free in a, in a kind of a, a, a multiplayer trade. So – just making my claim that I, I don't think it's a, it's a complete wash your hands of David Johnson. I do think he could potentially have late round value. Yeah, I, I agree, but I don't think his ADP is going to be there. Um, if they don't draft a running back, it's him and Duke Johnson. Carlos Hyde's a free agent, but they're not going to get him back. He's undrafted, undrafted free agent or unrestricted, not undrafted. Um, but he will be in the RB2 range of ADP if they don't add a rookie and I mean, I've stated it before. I just don't like injury-prone players, so I'm not going to mess around with it. But I could definitely see like a one- or two-year RB2 fantasy value stint for David Johnson. Got it. And, of course, the uh, transition tag put on Kenyon Drake, as we've already talked about, $8.5 there for the Cardinals. So smart move there. Kenyon Drake ran for over 800 yards and eight touchdowns in just eight games with Arizona. Um, awesome start with him coming over from Miami. So – Kicking off the podcast with a big one, of course, at this point, everybody's heard all of this stuff, but I uh, just wanted to re-mention our take on the Cardinals trade for former Texans receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick, and uh, the Texans get back running back David Johnson, uh, 2020 second round and a 2021 fourth round. All right, man, let's dive into some uh, less inspiring news. Uh, we'll deal with the Bears first, and like we did last episode, we'll just run down chronologically in alphabetical order. So this is not necessarily the importance of things. We just want to get that trade off because we kind of moved it over from last episode. But we'll just run down um, 
alphabetically. So if, if you want to listen to, say, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings uh, late that we'll cover last, go ahead and uh, fast forward through it. But we're going to cover everybody here in free agency, fantasy relevant for the NFC. Let's go. Bears trade four. Um, fourth round, they trade a fourth round pick for Nick Foles from the Jags. They also sign tight end Jimmy Graham for two years, 16 million dollars um interesting i don't think they needed either one of these uh and at the same point i think it was uh somewhat unnecessary for them to make both of these moves we'll get your take here um i i've got a whole thing about nick Foles, but i'm gonna try to not be negative yeah um well i think okay they played against jimmy graham the last two years Four games, or sorry, yeah, four games the last two years. You think they would know he sucks? Like, I, I don't, I don't. They do need a tight end. I don't think the move is terrible because who else were they going to get if they really think this is the tight end they need? I'm hoping they still draft someone. I think a tight end will ultimately help the offense uh, overall, not necessarily making Jimmy Graham fantasy relevant, but I think it'll open up more um, opportunity for Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, and hopefully another rookie they draft maybe. But to me, there's no really fantasy value. It's more just an overall um, football move. Nick Foles, I'd, I just hope Nick Foles makes Trubisky snap out of whatever happened last year. I think I want him uh, – Trubisky is a good quarterback. Um, he's shown bad stints, but he is capable of being a starting quarterback. We saw he had an MVP season, caliber season two years ago. He can run the ball. He can move out of the pocket. He is an accurate thrower. We just saw a dip last year, and we've talked about it before. I just think getting a tight end, huge need for them. Adding some quarterback competition, and I guess I'm rooting for Trubisky out of it. It might bring this team back to life a little bit, but ultimately I don't think there's much to it besides maybe maybe a quarterback competition battle. That's about it. My write-up on Nick Foles was basically that I don't think there's a more lucky quarterback outside of Sam Bradford uh, as far as – getting multiple contracts and staying paid in the NFL with little production. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Foles, of course, wins the Super Bowl with the Eagles. That was Carson Wentz's Super Bowl, but they got it done. Congratulations there. My concern is he's never played more than eight games in a season. Uh, tw- or He's only played eight games, excuse me, um, in a season twice in his career, and he's never played more than 13, and that was way back in 2013. He's yet to throw for 3,000 yards in the season, and he's only passed for more than 13 touchdowns once, also in 2013. He doesn't really offer much in the running game. 390 uh, yards total in his eight-year career. Mitch Trubisky had that um, in each of the last two seasons. I just don't understand why this is the lateral move. They were talking about potentially bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, who we'll get to with the Panthers in a little bit. They were talking about potentially bringing in Cam Newton, who I'm also not super stoked on but at least he's like the same quarterback as Mitch Trubisky if that's mm-hmm. the type of scheme that they want to run. Nick Foles is strictly a pocket passer, not a very good one, and I don't think has a lot of upside at this point of his career um, to like Ryan Tannehill, if you will. I just don't think he's going to do that. We've seen magic with him. We've seen him come in the last two years and get the Eagles over the hump for Carson Wentz, and the Bears have at least similar weapons, I think, to the Eagles. So like maybe – but for fantasy, no way. Not two QB leagues, not super flexes. Um, <clears throat> I might even go get Mitch Trubisky for free in dynasty leagues just to keep him on the end of my bench when this shit hits, hits the uh, fan and uh, they move on. So not excited about Nick Foles. Haven't been for years. I will say a disclaimer because he's probably listening to this podcast. And I don't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah. I will say that I've listened to a number of interviews with him uh, namely on the School of Greatness podcast by my man, Lewis Howes. Great lifestyle podcast. I highly recommend you check it out. Anyway, um, he interviewed Nick Foles and uh, David Asprey also on Bulletproof Radio podcast, interviewed Nick Foles. Super dope guy. Really cool guy. I like his mind frame. Um, not into him <laughs> as an NFL quarterback or a fantasy quarterback. So passing on Nick Foles, and I'm buying Mitch Trubisky for free in Dynasty Leagues. Jimmy Graham, no interest there either. I think that was a miss. Uh, I can't imagine Trey Burton, even as much as he disappeared last year, that he's worse than Jimmy Graham. Uh, And Adam Shaheen seems fine as well. I'm not really sure what this was outside of maybe a Jason Witten move to Oak or fucking Vegas. Um, A good clubhouse guy, a veteran leadership thing. Like I understand all that stuff, 
but two years at, you know, 16 million seemed a little steep for somebody who is three years past his prime. So not sure about Jimmy Graham there. Let's move on to um, another big one. And um, this is uh, man, Tom Brady <clears throat> signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two years, 50 million, all guaranteed plus incentives. He could make way more money than that. We don't need to talk about Tom Brady, the player. We can save time there. Everybody knows his resume. Um, nine Super Bowl trips, six Super Bowl victories, yada, yada. Um, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, depending on who you talk to. Fine. Let's talk of strictly about the Buccaneers and strictly about fantasy football. Also, per this podcast, Jameis Winston is still on the Buccaneers roster-ish. He is also a free agent. He could move on. He may. There's reports that he'll stay and tutor under Tom Brady. There's other reports that they'll get rid of him. <clears throat> two different conversations. Let's start with fantasy football really quick here with the Buccaneers. How do you feel about A, Tom Brady? Um, and B, how do you feel about the entire rest of the offense, the running backs, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, the two tight ends? How are we feeling here about the Buccaneers in general? Yeah, I'll start off with my fantasy uh, look on this, and then I'll, I, I got to give a little bit of a rant on the whole overall signing of it. But fantasy value, as much as it sucks, Tom Brady's going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Like there, I don't. He I don't, was I last year with no weapons. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know who you. What eleven quarterbacks you can tell me you'd rather draft over? Obviously, dynasty's different, but redraft. Like I don't know what you can tell me that's going to be different. I mean, Arians took Carson Palmer for two years when he was old and put together fantasy relevant seasons, and now he has weapons. He has Kurt I mean, Warner Jones, as well. Yeah, Ronald Jones is a competent running back. So is Peyton Barber. They honestly just remind me of Rex Burkhead type running backs they're going to be okay they'll probably bring in a guy like Deion Lewis someone that's played with them before maybe draft a rookie running back he's his say his worst receiver on the roster is in terms of starting receivers is Chris Godwin right? I mean like come on like you don't need much more than that he's never played with two receivers of this level I mean like Julian Edelman and Wes Welker whatever the case may be yeah but they're not as talented as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin you have Cameron Bray, a good possession tight end, and then now he's. I, I think he's going to unlock OJ Howard. He has. He knows what he's doing with tight ends. Arians doesn't, and Arians came clearly right away. Right as they signed him, people were asking like, "Do you care that your two your offensive style and his offensive style and the Patriots are completely different?" And he was straight up like, "No, we're going to mix them together. Like we're going to make this thing work." Um. So I, I mean, it's. <laughs> It's a good signing, but it's also a bad signing. And I'll give my take on that a little bit. The reason I think it's kind of a bad signing is I don't think this team is ready to win quite yet. Um, their defense is okay. It had good stints last year. Their corners showed a little bit of promise, but how often do a group of rookie cornerbacks stay banded together and produce consistently without veteran status in that secondary D-line was pretty solid. Their edge rusher, Shaquille Barrett, had a really good year. Will he sustain that same quality of a year under a franchise tag? Will he be mad that he didn't get extended? O-line is solid except for the right tackle, which I think they're going to address um, come draft day. Running backs, not an issue because Brady's never really had one name running back. But you take a guy like Jameis Winston, who I know through 30 interceptions, but is, what, 26, 27 years old, but has a cannon, three for 5,000 yards, Got your team to seven and nine for a good reason and a bad reason. You can see both sides do it. And then you just throw that away and go sign a 43-year-old quarterback. Um, others think that this team is ready to win. I'm not going to change my thought process on that. Maybe if they go sign, like, a ton of veteran defensive pieces, yeah, maybe. But I just think that it was a dumb overall football move. Arians, is, I think, just wanted to do it to, to maybe go out on top or maybe just make a splash right away. But – it's, I don't know, fantasy, lots of implications. And I just, I'm on the, I think the opposite side of this trade um, in terms of just overall football uh, outlook on it. Cool. Fair enough. And actually, I, I totally disagree with you on this one as far as the NFL side of things. Um, <clears throat> I just don't think Jameis is that good. I understand the talent and his ability to throw the ball down the field, but I wasn't super impressed with him at uh, Florida State. Um, I watched him very closely with the Ducks playing um, against them. And then he and Mariota were, neck and neck for the Heisman Trophy that particular year, 2015. So I was really in on James Winston, and I just it didn't make sense at all to me um, that uh, that he was picked number one over Marcus Mariota. But that's that's uh, that's history. Um, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, though, 
for the uh, the Buccaneers is that he's thrown at least 14 interceptions in four of his five seasons. Of course, 30 last year, which is absolutely horrendous. And uh, Tom Brady has only done that twice um, in, in his career. And I just think that it's something where protecting the ball for a team like Tampa Bay uh, is so mandatory. And they lost so many games last year that were within one or two um, possessions. And think about, you know, uh, Mike Evans obviously got hurt and Chris Godwin did down the stretch, but they're both still tied or wide receiver ones in the season. If they had 10 more, um, you know, uh, possessions that didn't have interceptions, let's yeah. split those uh, touchdowns. And maybe you get three or four each, uh, you know, on top of that. I just think the potential with Tom Brady being smart, like being a cerebral quarterback over the talent, I think is going to even out. I really do. Because all those possessions that Jameis threw away, Tom just isn't going to. That's more opportunity for fantasy football. It's more opportunity for all the weapons. That also means more wins. And I think that that's just a bigger morale booster there for uh, the team in general. That being said, for fantasy, Tom Brady will be a top 12, maybe even a top 10. I brought up the current ADP as you were talking here, and I want to talk through this with you really quick here. So um, just – and we don't have rankings. We have made it very clear on this podcast we are not going to release our first set of rankings until after the NFL draft, which is obviously coming up at the end of April. So we still have a month, but, of course, we're tooling them and we have them working in back, you know, behind the scenes. But let's run through this really quick here for sake of the podcast. So this is the current ADP. Um, with free agency kind of starting to kick in. So some of these are obviously going to move. But here's the the top, um, let's say, 15 quarterbacks, and let's see where we would slot Tom Brady right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson Mahomes, obviously, one and two. Uh, Deshaun Watson at number three right now. But with Nuke leaving, that's obviously going to change. He's going to fall, but he'll still be ahead of Tom Brady for me. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, for sure ahead of Tom Brady for me. That leaves the top seven. I would take Tom Brady over Carson Wentz who's at number eight. I would take him over Kirk Cousins at number 10. I would take him over Baker Mayfield at number 11. I'll put Josh Allen ahead of him, and I might even put Matt Ryan ahead of him potentially. So that puts Tom Brady at about 10, 11, 12. Right now, Tom Brady's current ADP is quarterback 21. Again, I think that'll shake out by the time the season starts because this is just calculating the drafts as of late. Anyway, I think that Tom Brady could be He's still going to be throwing for 300 yards a game in the system. He's going to throw three or four touchdowns a week probably, and he's going to help out these wide receivers tremendously. Maybe not as many fireworks per se, but I think it's a good move for the Buccaneers who are in uh, win-now mode. And everybody talks about Arians. I totally agree. It's his team. He's the head coach. But on the other side of the ball, Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Tampa Bay did turn it around in the second half of the season last year, made some good moves. I think they're going to be just fine. I think Tampa Bay has a legit chance to compete in the um, NFC South. Uh, the Saints are the Saints. We know that. The Falcons just fucking blow it every year. I don't know how they're possibly not good, uh, but they'll blow it, and the Panthers might be the worst team in the league at this point. So I do like the Buccaneers. I hear where you're coming from, but I do disagree that it's not a good move for the Bucs. I just – Jameis is not the answer. He would worry me in general. Fantasy is super fun, um, but – Tom Brady is a better NFL quarterback, um, just cerebrally and helping you win games, and uh, that's what the Buccaneers are in for. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought up like you're bringing up like what quarterbacks you'd have ahead of them. And the thing with the ones you named is, I mean, I'm going to rank Brady in the 12 range, but I know his ADP is not going to be there. Mm-hmm. I, like the the majority of people aren't going to draft that just because there is going to be Rodgers is going to go ahead of him. And honestly, if the Packers don't add a receiver, I'm taking Brady over Rodgers all day. Um, mm. You saw last year the inconsistency. Matthew Stafford will be drafted, I think, ahead of Brady if he's healthy, obviously. Um, Josh Allen will be. You mentioned Matt Ryan. I think he will be with the O-line coming back now, Gurley. So I think what we're trying to say is Brady is – I mean, we're not going to take the 21 because that, that's outrageous. He's not going to be QB 21 come draft time. But he's going to be a good value come drafts um, even if – and even if his ADP catches up to him and he's at the 12, then that means other guys are going to be good values. So I think there's a lot of outcomes with that for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a few more moves here too. I mean, Drew Brees is down at 19 right now. Daniel Jones is at 17. I think another thing to note too of all the guys I mentioned, Jackson Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, Aaron Rodgers not so much anymore, but Murray, uh, Prescott, Allen, 
Um, all of those guys are mobile quarterbacks that can run. Tom Brady, in my opinion, is my – well, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be my top quarterback as far as, like, pocket passers for fantasy. But I think Tom Brady is right behind him. And then there's Matt Ryan and then Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz and, um, you know, Baker Mayfield and those kind of guys because they just don't really offer it on the ground. But um, it's going to be interesting, man. This is a big move, and, and there's still a lot to shake out. But I think it'll be – It'll be fun come fantasy, and, and Tom Brady will be just fine, assuming everybody stays healthy. So, Tom Brady, big move there, signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two years, $50 million, all guaranteed plus incentives. He will be just fine. Let's skip up to um, some big keeps here with the Cowboys. Uh, they franchise tag quarterback Dak Prescott, $33 million, and they re-sign Amari Cooper for five years, $100 million. Big moves here for the Cowboys. They also – Resign tight end Blake Jarwin for three years, twenty four point two five million. Um, this is, uh, th- I think the the we don't need to talk a lot about Blake Jarwin per se, but we're going to dive into Dak and Amari for a while, I'm sure. Blake Jarwin, really quick, I think is a sleeper in fantasy for sure. Um, I think he's a great pickup in redraft and dynasty. Jason Witten, obviously now with the Raiders. Um, he hasn't really had the opportunity, but I do think that Blake Jarwin is going to be able to thrive in this offense. So I like him as one of my deep sleepers. Let's go back up to Dak and Amari. No real surprise here. I think everybody assumed that um, Dak and Amari would be back in Dallas one way or another. Sure enough, that does happen. Uh, with this happening, does this change anything across the board for you um, with with fantasy? And we'll talk about Prescott, Zeke, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Blake Jarwin. I think everyone has to go up. I mean, like, I just looked it up. I don't even think about it. 166 vacated targets just between Randall Cobb and Jason Witten are open. And they are the losses they took on defense. There are no means to draft receivers in this draft at all. Like, they, they seriously can't because they lost a corner and um, Byron Jones. They lost Robert Quinn. They, they need to address that, and they will address that because they have all their picks left. But 166 vacated targets you're going to give to a guy like Amari Cooper if he stays healthy. Michael Gallup, who broke out last year. Even Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin, I kind of – I see the potential, and he's a tight end, so he doesn't need that much work to be a top 12 tight end. But he's a really bad run blocker, so they're going to need to figure something out with that. I don't think he'll play the amount of snaps that we need, but that's not – I mean, that doesn't mean he's not going to be good at fantasy. That also means if he's on their less snaps, more Amari Cooper, more Michael Gallup. Zeke, I think, has to be salt. This locked in is that running back three to me because his floor is going to be so high in terms of receiving work. He's going to even see more now. Tony Pollard is going to be a great pick come drafts just because he's got a good handcuff. And I don't think you're going to start him much, but I think he's going to see even more passing work. And ultimately, I think this has to I, – I think this has to put Dak above Deshaun Watson, to be honest with me. I agree this with kid, you. This gives you. Dak more possible. I mean, Jason Witten was safe, and I mean that's good for building up a quarterback. But once you've unlocked that quarterback, 166 vacated targets to two dynamic playmakers, even three with Jarwin, and then now Zeke. I think it's the sky's the limit with Dak. Um, the only thing I think you could not put him over guys like Kyler and Kyler because the Cardinals are still going to be losing games. They're going to need to throw the ball. I think the Cowboys are good at managing the game to where they can throw the ball, but they're going to be so efficient that it's not going to matter. So I think Dak has to be right around that QB4, and I wouldn't argue if you took him over Kyler because Kyler is, I don't want to say a shot-in-the-dark throw, but it's kind of a, you're playing the ceiling with Kyler. I'm with you, bro. I, I love Dak. I had him pretty high last year, and, of course, he was like a 10th-round pick or whatever and finished QB2. Um I, you know, I love, love Dak Prescott and I think he'll be just fine. I totally agree with you, man. I, I do think I'm a little more bullish, obviously on, on uh, Blake Jarwin, just because I, that is a weapon that they haven't been utilizing because mm-hmm. Jason Witten had been there. Uh, but we saw that the year he took off, Blake Jarwin was just fine. Um, so I really do like Blake Jarwin as a late round tight end. If you're going to take a gamble on somebody um, and Michael Gallup, dude, that is my dog. Um, I am really stoked on him. Amari Cooper's obviously fine. Uh, his consistency went way down last year when he got hurt in the second half of the season. So we saw Michael Gallup tick up and, you know, Zeke is Zeke. Uh, he's he's going to be one of the first four uh, draft picks, I'm sure, in most leagues, top five at least. So um, we all know what happens there. So I think the Cowboys just being smart here. You know, Jerry has um, 
plenty of money. So I don't think that's the issue. It's just a matter of where he wants to spend it. And I think it was smart for him to uh, franchise tag Dak Prescott, which actually saves them money. Um, Dak Prescott wanted, you know, closer to 40 million. He's not going to get that yet, but he might later if he's able to prove it. Um, and Amari Cooper, of course, doing work as well. So smart moves for the Cowboys, Dak, Amari, and Blake Jarwin. Let's move on to the Falcons, who surprisingly sign running back Todd Gurley for one year, $5 million. It's not a surprise that they uh, signed Todd Gurley overall with him being available. It's, a, it's surprising that Todd Gurley's available. Um, he, he was a trade target, a trade conversation, I think, as the season ended. We know about the arthritic knees. We know about the, the, the kind of drop in production, if you will, um, the last year and a half. Um, but then he was released by the Rams, which changed the game entirely. And the Falcons came in who also have uh, released Devontae Freeman. So they come in and pick up Todd Gurley. I think this is a great move for the Falcons. I actually like Todd Gurley a lot more in fantasy now than I did in, in um, LA with the Rams. Uh, we'll get into his health, but just really quick on Gurley to give some perspective. Gurley has been one of, if not the most efficient running backs in the NFL since he joined the league in 2015 He's averaged, he's averaged 1,500 total yards and 14 touchdowns over his entire career. So even last year, which felt like somewhat of a disappointment for fantasy owners, he was over 1,000 total yards and 13 touchdowns. Dude's a beast. And I think I was definitely somebody that was very worried about the arthritic knees, so I straight up didn't draft early in any draft at all. But I think it might have been a collective overreaction on what's going on. Like, I played sports, obviously not professional by any means, but I played college baseball. I played sports for 20 years. I'm in my early 30s, and I probably have <laughs> fucking arthritic knees that I don't know about. So for him to be completely broken, I think, was us as a fantasy industry jumping to conclusions, which I think was unnecessary. He's not Todd Gurley of two years ago, but I also don't think he's Frank Gore. And I think you can maybe even get value right now. And him going to the Falcons being the only running back, I think is going to be huge, bro. I like this move all around. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. They basically got rid of Devontae Freeman and eliminated the possibility of a running, rookie running back busting by drafting him. They're still going to draft someone fourth round range just, just to make sure because they really only have – a. Brian Allison Hill. and Brian Hill, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's not bad, but I think Gurley's going to slide in. No, you have no money um, tied to him. You have no contract tied to him. If you want to cut him in the middle of the season, sure, go for it. You lost five mil. Like, who cares if it replenishes next year? This is a great move. They actually had quite a bit of good moves, getting Dante Fowler, fixing that edge need. They released true front, which just needed to happen. They just needed to be done. So now they just need to fill that cornerback spot in the draft. I think this is a solid move. I think Gurley's going to be a back-end RB1 if he stays healthy. Obviously, that's with every single player if they're RB1. So I hate when people are like, they're going to be good if they stay healthy. Well, same with any other player like in the NFL. But then you slide into – I mean, we could just kind of transition into the Tayden Hurst um, spot here they like I said they made a ton of good moves they're sort of revamping this offense but not necessarily rebuilding they lost Austin Hooper obviously to the Browns and then they picked up this prospect that was a first round pick they gave a second round pick for a guy that was a first round pick two years ago basically just redrafted him for less value who I think can easily be the next Austin Hooper I honestly think he's more athletic than Austin Hooper is he tested through the roof at the combine former baseball player was I mean come on, he was a, he was the 17th pick in the draft two years ago you never see tight ends going that early so I think they had a great off season um, but you did mention they always seem to get hurt so now we just got to pray that O line stays healthy and the the key defensive pieces of Keanu Neal and Deion Jones now Dante Fowler stay healthy for sure in that Falcons trade the Falcons got tight end Hayden Hurst from the Ravens for a 2020 fourth round pick the Ravens got a second and a fifth round pick in the upcoming draft. Um, I like the Hayden Hurst move a lot. I actually was pretty bullish on him as a rookie coming out uh, with the Ravens. Of course, they also drafted that year Mark Andrews, uh, and Mark Andrews basically got an opportunity because Hayden Hurst got hurt as a rookie. Obviously, you know, Mark Andrews is, is the dude now and, and the rest is history, but uh, Hayden Hurst is just fine. Um, I do remember a game uh, late in the season where Mark Andrews went out for uh, a couple plays and 
immediately Hayden Hurst basically caught like a, a long post and had a 60 yard touchdown right away because that's how the Ravens run their offense. Um, but I thought it was just fine. And we've seen that Austin Hooper have big uh, plays as well for the Falcons over the last couple of years with Matt Ryan. I've been watching, I've been kind of, dialing back on like last year's game film and stuff just re-watching games with NFL game pass and whatnot and uh last night I watched I think it was week 12 just a random game but it was week 12 Falcons and Buccaneers high scoring game both teams were back and forth it was great for fantasy all the shit what I was noticing though is that the Falcons were driving down the field no problem I mean just constantly in the red zone constant red zone and Matt Ryan overthrows Julio Jones every time overthrows Matt or uh, uh Calvin Ridley and then they try to run the ball on third down, and they can't do anything because they didn't have any running backs. Todd Gurley offers that opportunity to run early, catch the ball in the backfield, be a third down back, do whatever they need to do. And I think that's a tremendous upgrade for the Falcons in general. And for fantasy especially, I think it helps everybody. Also, I think this actually helps Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones uh, and Hayden Hurst um, to now be a little more honest. Devonta Freeman was not bad when he was healthy, uh, but he's not – Todd Gurley and so I think this helps Matt Ryan uh, overall and I just help, it, it helps the overall offense there in Atlanta so I like the Todd Gurley move a lot Hayden Hurst coming over for Austin Hooper I think that was a great uh, um, gap fill as well so Falcons making moves um, also I, I think that was a great move there uh, we're not going to talk about this at all but I do want to mention it just in case uh, Lions signed quarterback Chase Daniel from the Bears three years 13 million dollars he's the backup to Matt Stafford we're not going to get into him at all. I just want to mention that um, Matt Stafford, I think, is a late-round QB that I'm going to be targeting. Um, and basically, if Matt Stafford goes down, uh, the rest of the Lions, I'm going to be selling immediately, which everybody else will too. But Chase Daniel is not the guy. Um, so just a heads up that if you right. have Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones or anything and Matt Stafford goes down or you're worried about his injuries, I would cut bait now before the season um, – I'm not as high on Kenny Galladay as everybody else is. I do love my boy Marvin Jones. I draft him in like the 12th round of every draft all the time because he's great. But a um, little bit worried about the Lions if uh, – actually very worried about the Lions if Matt Stafford were to go down again. And you can – I mean, you can just kind of chalk it in right now. This man's going to be starting on Thanksgiving. It always works out that way with the Bears. He was always starting on Thanksgiving. Now he's playing with the Lions. Just mark it down right now. It's happening. Perfect. They'll have those slick only gray helmets. Yeah, exactly. No, no logo. Love it. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the Panthers who signed my boy quarterback, Teddy two gloves Bridgewater for three years, $63 million, 40 million guaranteed. This was a perplexing move as well. I think they just got like a lateral move from Cam Newton. <laughs> um, I, maybe Teddy Bridgewater is more healthy today than Cam Newton is, but like athletically, Teddy Bridgewater is not what he used to be coming out of Louisville. And I've said this a couple times in the podcast, but just to put some perspective on Teddy uh, Bridgewater coming out of Louisville out of college, um, getting drafted by the Vikings, he was not quite Lamar Jackson, but he was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson at Louisville. And he obviously blew out his legs twice and had two gruesome injuries and has fought back over the years. But I, this was a confusing one. I thought a guy like Andy Dalton even would be a better move than Teddy Bridgewater for the Panthers, to be honest. So there's kind of two parts to this. So if you pay attention to like Roto World or like the blurbs or whatever, Matt Rule said Cam Newton was the guy, right? And then as much as it sucks, womp. The, whole, the whole coronavirus thing happened. And he was not able to come in for a physical to be cleared to, like, know he's healthy. So there's, I, I don't want to say that's the reason why they 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 changed it, but they don't. They you can't sign some guy you don't know it's gonna be, um, if he's gonna be healthy or whatever the case may be. That being said, I, I I really really like this move for the Panthers. I think that you are completely in a rebuild you just shopped your 26 year old guard for a 35 year old tackle, which I mean, <laughs> it's not like it's like a I mean it's not a good trade. It makes sense what they're doing, but they're not going to like lose production. Um, in like the two, three years that like they'll need to replace Russell Okun. Cause he's still, still be fine for the next two, three years. But then take a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who very efficient in the short game. And then you look at the guys on this team, you don't need him to throw the ball downfield. Obviously Curtis Samuel, everyone 
talks about unrealized air yards, all this crap that he's going to break out. But let's let's face it, it hasn't happened yet, and it's not going to happen now that you have Teddy Bridgewater. They're not going to be chucking the ball downfield. It's just it's just is what it is. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good season because he could easily just transform into another DJ Moore esque player because Joe Brady knows what he's doing on the offensive side. But I think overall, I think Teddy's going to be an okay QB two. Um, could stream him as the one depending on it. And I love that you put Christian McCaffrey stock up if that's even possible because I think I think it is honestly. Like, I mean, I think 500 I, touches. <laughs> this team. Obviously, it's going to be worse than they were last year because they're, they're just rebuilding. They're, that's just what it is. They're going to be coming from behind. But I think they're going to be very, very efficient because I think Joe Brady is going to be a little conservative at first. I think that he's going to try and solidify the, the – he's going to get the, the Panthers organization behind him, him and Matt Rule both together. They're just going to slowly build up to what it's going to be, and that's just going to cause McCaffrey to get even more work, even more targets. And then DJ Moore, I mean, I love DJ Moore. The guy's 22, and he was a wide receiver one last year, if I remember right. And he's on, like, every single one of my dynasty leagues because he's going to be a beast. Um, so, I don't know. I, I love the move. I don't see anything that could go wrong with it because, I mean, you're not expecting Bridgewater to do much. Um, obviously, I'm going to temper my expectations from what he did with the Saints last year because, I mean, Taysom Hill is throwing touchdowns at the Saints last year. So, I mean, you have to kind of – take it with what it is but I think if going forward I think this is a solid move solid start for the Panthers in the right direction in this rebuild uh DJ Moore currently going as the 14th receiver in the back of the third round ADP wise um my concern with Teddy Bridgewater for the most part is just that he hasn't done much and you're right he hasn't been super bad he just hasn't been super good and just like Nick Foles he just has – he's been hurt. He hasn't had the opportunity. You know, he's been mm-hmm. a backup most of his career, either because of talent or because of um, injury, and that's that's a problem. Um, he he hasn't – he's yet to play more than nine games in a season since 2015. That's a problem. Um, he had the two gnarly injuries that I already mentioned when he was in Minnesota. Um, he hasn't thrown for more than 15 touchdowns in a season and surpassed 3,000 yards only once in his career in six yards – that's a problem. I've got a bunch of other stats, but I'll save all that number talk. Cam Newton um, has been an average passer for Carolina, surpassing 3,500 passing yards, only four out of nine of his seasons. But, of course, he does add on the ground, which Teddy could too, but not as much as he used to. So I just – I understand the Panthers moving away from Cam Newton. I think that's actually smart. And last year when Daniel and I did our Bold Predictions Crazy Calls episodes that you, you've heard on the last couple of podcasts, us recapping those – one of my bold prediction crazy calls was that Cam, uh, Cam Newton was going to be surpassed either via talent or injury by Will Greer for the Panthers. Obviously, it was Kyle Allen instead, but nonetheless, I was kind of right. And I saw the writing on the wall last year for Cam Newton with the injuries and what was going on with the Panthers. I just don't see – I hear you. I think you've actually changed my mind a little bit on the where the Panthers are right now and the receivers they have right now. It's not a terrible move. I'll give you that. I actually feel a little bit better about it after hearing your take. But at the same time, this is definitely not a tank for anybody move. Like a, I've heard the like, you know, um, you know the old tank for Tua's or, or something it's, like that. Not, but, um, they're not – they're going to be like a 6-10 and 10 team just because based off talent alone. Uh, it's they, – they didn't give the guy $40 million guaranteed to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Like it's not, it's not what it is. It's not he's, – he's good enough to be a – He's basically what I thought Joe Flacco would be for the Broncos last year. He would do enough to be an 8-8 eight and eight team, I guess. Now, of course, uh, he was – Teddy Bridgewater was 3-0 for the Saints when he filled in for Drew Brees. So, he was, he was just fine. I, I don't want to hate on Teddy. I actually like Teddy as a player. I just was a little confused on how this move transpired. And as of this podcast, Cam Newton's without a job. So I think that's like the more surprising part. Not that I think he's deserving of a job right now. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback anymore. But he's Cam Newton on paper, and I'm surprised that he's not picked up yet. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So Teddy Bridgewater getting signed by uh, the Panthers, three years, sixty-three million dollars, forty million guaranteed. Teddy getting paid. You like to see that. Let's talk about better quarterbacks. Drew Brees resigns with the Saints. No real surprise here. Two years, $50 million. Um, Drew Brees, currently the quarterback, 21. We just talked about him and Tom Brady and the value. All about uh, Drew Brees. Obviously, he gets back Michael Thomas. Um, he gets back Alvin Kamara. 
and they bring in your boy East Sanders uh, from the 49ers to two years, 16 million. We'll jump into him as well. So the Saints reloading to try again. Fourth time to charm, maybe, uh, to get through the playoffs and get a get a, a chance at the Super Bowl here for Drew Brees. We'll see what happens. Um, no brainer here for the for the the Saints. I've got all sorts of stats, but you can catch those on our website article or the Instagram where I post all these things here for Drew Brees. Everybody knows he's one of the best of all time. Um, I'll get your quick thought on Drew Brees, but I'm going to jump down to uh, what I think is more of an important move in general for the Saints because I think Drew Brees heading to back to the Saints was a no-brainer. But them bringing in Emmanuel Sanders I thought was huge, and that's a great compliment to Michael Thomas. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders last year, wide receiver 27, with Jimmy G, 66 receptions, 869 yards, and five touchdowns. And, of course, I'll mention it maybe just one more time on the podcast – if not for Jimmy Grant, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrowing him by five yards, he catches the uh, game-winning touchdown for the Super Bowl, and it's a whole different conversation for Emmanuel Sanders and the 49ers. But nonetheless, came up a little bit short. Great career with the Steelers. Great career with the uh, Broncos. Um, Emmanuel Sanders still got it. Came back off a gruesome Achilles tear last year. Fantastic receiver. Great dude. I know you're a big fan, obviously, so I'll let you take it away. But the Saints, huge moves here, bringing back Drew Brees for one more run, maybe a two-year window, and Emmanuel Sanders as well in that two-year window. The, the Saints should just pick up where they've been. Yeah, and talk about a farewell tour. You add, you bring him back. You add Emmanuel Sanders. You sign Malcolm Jenkins, DJ Swearinger. They're going to draft a defensive stud in the draft. I can't imagine. They're going to keep building upon this. It, Drew Brees' value stays the same. I don't think Sanders raises it because how much more efficient can you get with Drew Brees? I don't want to say this raises Sanders' fantasy value because it's not going to. I mean, like, yes, it is, but, like, are you really going to be drafting Sanders to plug in your – I mean, like, take a look at get Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith. Like, obviously, Sanders is better than those guys, but if those guys were those guys ever conducting enough targets or commanding enough targets to – return fantasy value like I mean it's going to be Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara Jared Cook are going to be the first three options Taysom Hills in there too Latavius Murray I, I think it's just a great move for the Saints I think it helps Michael Thomas ultimately more so helps him to lock him in as the number one wide receiver I don't know if it like gives him two more targets a game that type of thing but I think it just makes it that you can't put him out of the number one wide receiver Helps Breeze a little bit, but I still think I would take other guys above him. It honestly helps Alvin Kamara now, too. It just kind of just boosts the Saints in a way, and I think this team is – I mean, we made predictions um, before the YouTube started back on the podcast about who we think potentially next year could be the Super Bowl contenders, and I said if Breeze is back, it's got to be the Saints. Of course. They were a, one terrible – not one terrible. They were a terrible ran play call game easily could have went in the championship. I'm not going to take anything away from your Niners, but I think adding guys like Sanders, Malcolm Jenkins, Swearinger, it's, I, they're my pick for the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I dig it. I, I totally agree, man. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm Niner biased, but the Niners weren't even supposed to be there last year. So we got kind of, kind of ahead of the schedule, I think, but I'm um, dude, I've, I've always been a Saints fan, man. I've always been a Drew Brees fan. I love Alvin Kamara, love Michael Thomas outside of the Niners. I root for the Saints for sure in the NFC. So I'm all about that. Currently, this is going to change for sure as this knowledge basically dropped in the last couple of days. ADPs will shake out by August. But currently, Emmanuel Sanders is going as the 56th wide receiver off the board in the 11th round. Um, he's going around, let's see, James Washington, Anthony Miller, Tyrell Williams, Preston Williams, Deontay, don't call me Thompson Johnson, Andy Isabella, Jamison Crowder, no way. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be probably, I would say, probably an seventh eighth round pick when it all shakes out because he's on the saints because he's got drew Brees, and um i think it's going to increase his availability like it'll increase his opportunities with this offense uh because they i just think are more efficient not maybe not more efficient they're as efficient as the 49ers but drew Brees is just next level man and i think that um the niners are run first to say the least and uh i just you know he's gonna have I would say more than 66 receptions, potentially 1,000 yards in that offense, and I could see him getting six to eight touchdowns in that offense as well. All those numbers are better than he had in San Francisco, and that was wide receiver 27. So for him to be a, a wide receiver two in this offense, I think is pretty likely, 
and to get him in the seventh or eighth round, potentially even the sixth, uh, when, when the, um, ADP shakes out, I, I think it's a possibility. So I'm all in on the saints once again, for sure. Yeah. I mean, talk about a game plan that you have to make against the team. You got Michael Thomas just tearing it up. Nasty. Jared Cook over the middle, who I think, I think is one of the best playmaking tight ends. One of the best tight ends in space. I agree. Manuel Sanders over the top. Alvin Kamara making plays. Latavius Murray, the running back, that's like – I don't even know how tall he is. Probably 6'4", like 240, just running you over. I, and then Drew Brees on top of all that. And then now Taysom Hill is going to be back there. It's I, I don't want this to happen again where they get to the playoffs and then something happens and they don't win because I, it's too good to be true, I think. But, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, if you're listening, you still haven't responded to my Niners tweets. And I'll, I'll take a Saints jersey too. Um, it's Come on, dog. Me, but it's, I swapped it around, so it's right above me now. East Sanders, throw, throw us a bone, bro. Come on. I totally agree, bro. I am Saints. I'm all in on the Saints as well. Of course, I'm going to root for the Niners. But realistically, I, uh, I think the, the, the Saints should definitely be there um, moving forward. And, and again, I think they'll be just fine with the, with the defense. And they have a great offensive line. It just doesn't make sense why the, how the Saints aren't perennially in the Super Bowl. They should be the NFC Patriots. It just it doesn't, yeah. doesn't make sense. But Either way, big moves for the Saints, bringing back Drew Brees. Of course, two years, $50 million. Um, They got two more rides with him, and Emmanuel Sanders will be there with him. Uh, quick question on the Saints before we move on. Michael Thomas, obviously bona fide number one receiver, what number one receiver in fantasy as well. Who is the, the wide receiver two in New Orleans? Is it uh, Emmanuel Sanders or Taysom Hill? Can I say Jared Cook? Like, I don't know. That's where, that's where I'm stuck on, like, his fantasy value because I think he's going to be, like, he's going to be, at best, the fourth option in this offense because obviously he's not going to take over Alvin Kamara's touches. I mean, not that, like, he would be in the backfield getting the ball, but, like, his, his um, priority of touches, I still think Jared Cook, we saw when he was, came back fully healthy with Breeze, it was 10 targets a game. Taysom Hill, I like that you bring that up because it's not like Taysom Hill, like, is a ton of touches, but his priority of touches is up top, just the way they bring him in. So it'll be interesting to see. But here's the thing. I don't think Sanders cares about how many targets he gets. I think he just wants to win a, a ring. That's why he went to the Niners last year. And, I mean, he didn't really do anything on the Niners. He got, like, maybe three, four targets a game. I don't think he cares about the production. He just wants that ring. So we'll see. It should be fun for him, though, I think. 100% agree. And obviously, uh, you know, JK on uh, Taysom Hill being the wide receiver too, but it's just interesting to note. I mean, five receiving touchdowns, um, you know, Taysom Hill is part of this offense, whether he's a running back, a receiver, a quarterback, a slot guy, whatever. And I think those opportunities, again, get taken away from other guys that aren't Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. So we'll see what happens. Last one for the NFC, man. Let's dive into the Vikings extending Kirk Cousins for two years, $66 million through 2022. He now has a three-year contract worth 60, uh, excuse me, $96 million in uh, Minnesota. Basically, Cousins was in the final year of his three-year deal um, that he signed two years ago with the Vikings, and they decided to lock him in through 2022. Uh, I don't disagree with the move overall from Minnesota, but $33 million per year, which is kind of among the higher deals in the league, uh, Dak Prescott, if you will. Um, and in my opinion, Cousins is just not that same quarterback, period. Uh, and especially after losing a wide receiver like Stephon Diggs, even if they get at this point uh, Robbie Anderson. Um, I just – I don't think – Kirk Cousins is not bad. I've thrown shade on him constantly on this podcast. I don't hate Kirk Cousins. I just think that the hype for some reason is overblown because the Vikings are a good team and they win games. He gets credit for it. But there's this long history, and I'll have the number in front of me, but I'm somebody, sure somebody will comment his – you know, one career game on Monday Night Football win or what he's like one in eight lifetime on Monday Night yeah. Football in the playoffs, all this other shit. Big games, he doesn't show up, and that's a big deal. Um, and for him to be making as much money as Dak Prescott, who does show up in big games constantly, blows me away a little bit after losing arguably his best weapon, weapon outside of uh, Dalvin Cook. Obviously, Thielen's still there, but he's not, you know, he's not the field stretcher that Diggs is. A little confused here on the extension. I think it's a good football move. Fantasy-wise, Kirk Cousins will still be in my middle-to-back-end uh, quarterback twos probably. Yeah, it's it's weird because the, you see all these gaps. They let a lot of their corners go. They don't have a receiver. 
but Diggs didn't like do that much. Like you, there was games where Diggs would have like one catch and they would still win the game. Like so, it's it'll be interesting to see what they do. They have Ola BC Johnson that'll come up. I think Irv Smith gets a huge bump from this. Um, they're gonna stick. I think they'll stick with those two tight end stats because they are gonna run the ball quite a bit. I don't think they're gonna try and trade up for a receiver. Uh, Vikings don't. Not really like the Vikings forte to try and move up and, and take a chance on a big not receiver. not in that offensive scheme even even with Stefanski moving over to Cleveland um, Zimmerman still wants to run the ball and run it well and mm-hmm. uh, 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 Kubiak is still the guy there so they're still going to run the ball I agree with you I don't I don't think they'll be now they could do a free agent move maybe with a Robbie Anderson or Rashad, Rashad Perryman. Perryman or somebody yeah. else um, but I don't I even thought like Nelson Aguilar might even be a decent fit with them but. Uh, I don't see them moving up in the draft either. Yeah, I mean, I think if you added like a Brashad Perriman and then went corner, corner, come draft, or even corner like Denzel Mims type receiver or something, something like that, or maybe even a day two, maybe even just go like a uh, second, third round, fourth round receiver just to make an overall group, I think it's not going to change much. Obviously, Cousins sees a little bit of a dip, but I don't – I mean, it's not like he was going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback anyways, so I think he's just kind of – a streamer at best or super flex just a safe floor. Um, but we'll, we'll see how the Vikings play out. I'm still kind of confused on the, there was a good trade, but I'm still confused on like letting all the other corners go kind of they're playing with the draft. Right. I, and a couple of more numbers here on, on cousins as we wrap up his numbers dipped across the board in 2019 after they brought in offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, who's now again, the head coach with the Browns. Most of that had to do with only throwing 444 pass attempts. Um, he had 606 in 2019. His yardage was down, uh, but only by 695, and he did miss a game. Uh, he had four less touchdowns, 26, but also four less interceptions with six. Uh, the loss of digs, I think, is huge as a field stretcher overall. And um, Phelan saw his yards per game cut in half over his 10 games in 2019 from 86 yards per game to 42 yards per game. That's a problem. Obviously with digs there in the big field stretcher, Thielen is the slot guy and has been anyway. That's totally fine. But if Thielen is the main dog and he's running the over the middle routes and now Thielen, I think is still a great receiver in the league. I love his game. He obviously had a, he had an ankle foot injury that, that just kind of blew out the second half of his season I'm not hating on Thielen in general. I think he's a great receiver. But if he's the guy, they don't have somebody else there. Although B.C. Johnson definitely stepped up last year. I'm concerned about Cousins overall. um, And just, you know, the the argument coming into last year with Stefanski coming over and being a run-first offense and Dalvin Cook being healthy, everybody was like, yeah, but Cousins throws for 4,000 yards every year. He'll throw 30 touchdowns. It'll be fine. And I was like, dude, what if he doesn't? <laughs> like, they run the shit out of the ball. If Dalvin Cook's healthy, they're going to run the ball. Alexander Madison is basically Dalvin Cook anyway. So I'm not, I'm not super bullish on uh, Kirk Cousins here. I will be fading him. Again, I had mentioned uh, he is the QB 11 right now in, in drafts. No thank you. Uh, he'll be probably QB 18 at best for me. Um, Adam Thielen, quick stock check on those guys. Adam Thielen right now. Excuse me, sorry. Double checking here. I just had it up. Um, Adam Thielen is the 17th wide receiver right now. First pick in the fourth round, and Stephon Diggs is right behind him um, as the second pick in the fourth round, 18 overall, the wide receiver. So that's obviously, again, going to shake out because Thielen's the number one now. Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. We'll see what happens. But interesting to see what happens in Minnesota because they're still going to run the ball a lot. I don't think Thielen can be that dude. That being said, if they don't bring in a big name like a Robbie Anderson or even a Brashad Perryman and they roll with what they have, are you looking for value? Or take, are you taking a chance? Are you excited at all? Obviously, Dalvin Cook's Dalvin Cook, and I think this just raises his stock, but are you excited at all about Adam Thielen specifically? I think it would kind of be like the Tyler Boyd situation last year. It would be uh, not pretty, but solid fantasy asset because he's just going to be force-fed the ball. Um, his yards per catch, his A dot would not be that great just because they wouldn't be able to get, you know what I'm saying? They'd have to find ways to get in the ball efficiently and where it makes sense whether, rather than him. And he plays out of the slot too, which helps. It's not like, it's not like he's left out on the outside. Um, so I think, I, I think it'd be okay. And I think he's going to kind of 
fall down in drafts a little bit just due to age and injury concerns. Cool. Fair enough. I like it, man. The Vikings extending Kirk Cousins. Again, I like to pick NFL-wise, but for fantasy, not super excited. That wraps up the NFC side of the free agent recap. Of course, we still have a couple names floating around out there. Jameis Winston, uh, Cam Newton now out there, Andy Dalton even. Um, and then, of course, as we've mentioned, I mean, Kareem Hunt is still a free agent technically. Uh, we've got a couple other guys here, Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perryman. There are still names to fall, and when they do, we will bring them to you as soon as we can. Appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel right here. Leave a comment on your best and worst NFC recaps, um, your best moves here uh, for us. Make sure you leave a uh, rate and review on the podcast wherever you're listening. Follow us on social media, of course, YouTube. Um, but you can also get us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, our Facebook group at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And you can also check out all of our articles you hear a lot from Lucas and I, but we have an awesome team that we've started to build here. Uh, Lucas, actually, I'm going to give you the floor here real quick to give those guys a quick shout out um, just because of all the work that you've been doing with them behind the scenes for the upcoming uh, you know, draft guide that we are not giving information about, but that we will be having later on. All of the articles, these guys put a ton of energy and effort into. I want you to give them a quick shout out, but you can find all of that work a lot of hours, a lot of statistical breakdowns, a lot of graphs. Everything that you're going to need for your upcoming season is available on tckpod.com. Again, tckpod.com is our website. Check it out. Lucas, please give a shout-out to the rest of our team. Yeah, man. So we got uh, Tyler Moss. Um, I'll put all the descriptions down in the uh, description or um, link the About Us page or something like that. Rookie, well, I mean, we have, I'm trying to think, seven total team members, including us and five others. Tyler Moss. Rookie specialist, if you will. He's been cranking out some rookie profiles, helping me out on my other channel too. Uh, just with the draft guy. Yeah, he's, a, he's he wears the shades in the video, so that's why Scott got the shades there. Uh, Dwayne or Dewey's Nuts has his own channel too, but it's been cranking out a lot of uh, the Stat Rat series that you see on there. Very analytical guy like me. Uh, Daniel McKinnon just joined on. Corey Spala, I think is his last name, and then Corey Bushland. Um, but we've been cranking out a lot of things. we got a lot of big plans for the draft guide. A lot of other channels kind of collaborating on, on it. Um, it's going to be really big. Um, and we just continue to work. The, the site isn't super up-to-date or, like, super in-depth or anything yet, but that's because we're focusing more on the draft guide and what we're going to bring for, uh, th with that this upcoming year. Super pumped on the opportunities we have on the website. Big shouts out to our team. Everybody's putting in a ton of energy and effort, and we appreciate everybody here as the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast progresses through free agency, heading into the draft season, and then we will, of course, get done after the NFL draft through the summer. Hopefully we get back to normal times here, man. Per usual, I want to wish everybody the best during these uncertain times. Make sure you're eating healthy. Make sure you're getting rest. Make sure you're respecting yourself, staying at home if you possibly can, washing your hands, and being uh, being safe and healthy to yourself and others. People are taking this more serious than others or whatever. It doesn't matter. The reality is it can be uh, very trying for certain folks, so be respectful to yourself and other people. Uh, we wish you the best here from the TCK pod crew to you and yours. And we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.